Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the, what is it, Jan January. How about that? It is like 97 million degrees outside, and I went in January. That's good. Man, I'm a professional. Hey, don't try this at home. You might mess it up. Welcome to the June 27th edition of the Connect Online Meeting. Good to be with you tonight. Of course, my name is Jonathan Jenkins. Glad to be with you tonight. Uh, Eric is here with us tonight. We are privileged. How you doing, man? It's good to see you. I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Uh, happy yeah. January. Happy New Year. <laughs> just piling on. Huh? You just you just kind of pile on. That's that's cool. That's cool. I give you enough grief. I guess I can take it some myself. Uh, we have Drew Kaiser with us here. We'll get to Brother Drew here in just a moment. Uh, Drew has been well was been once before. I think Drew was with us in the initial thirty days of this thing, uh, and somehow we did not invite him back. But we have now. We have corrected that error. So we'll get to him in just a minute. Uh, a little bit late getting started. That's my fault because, once again, I messed up. I forgot to set up the audio feed, and that took me a couple extra minutes. So I'm going to hurry through this as best I can. Please like, share, subscribe to all of our social media platforms. Uh, currently, we are broadcasting on YouTube, Facebook, and on Podbean. Check the uh, links in the description of the stream that you are uh, consuming at the moment. We would appreciate it if you would. If you want to support the work here at Digital Bible Study, you can do that with the stars and the super chats on Facebook and YouTube or the, the coins over on um, uh, uh, Podbean if you'd like to do that. Or... Uh, you can just join us at our website, digitalbiblestudy.org, or on our Locals page, digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. Again, all the links are in the description. Is that fast enough? All right, man, your turn. That was, that was fast and, and, and well done right there. That was, that was more professional maybe than the opening, but that was good. <laughs> just take a minute to get started. <laughs> okay. We will also say a word of prayer at the end of the session tonight. And... Um, Jonathan's going to lead us in that word of prayer because I remember praying Friday and uh, he'll keep watch over the feet and he'll let us know for whom we're praying and we will be glad to pray with you and for you. You haven't that prayed said, since Friday? Sir? You haven't prayed since Friday? Not on digital. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we turn our attention to our speaker. Drew Kaiser is here with us. Brother Drew, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys inviting me to come back. We are thrilled to have you back. We have had problems with, uh, we have had two schedulers. And as it turns out, we've had problems with both of them. But we're <laughs> glad we're past that now. We're glad to have you back. Uh, for those who don't know you, Drew, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your work, anything you want to share? Uh, sure. I live in Leeds, Alabama, right outside Birmingham. Um, or as a lot of people know it, the place where Bucky's is right <laughs> off the interstate of I-20. I've been here for 22 years now. Uh, moved here in 2000 and uh, just enjoy the work down here, uh, working with the, the people in Leeds. Uh, my wife is Julie. Uh, she's a counselor here in Leeds. She has her own practice and I have two children, Jackson and Ava. And... Uh, that's about all there is to tell about me, really. Well, that's a lot of good to say. That's a lot of good stuff, Drew. It's good to have you, man. Uh, what's the name of the congregation where you're laboring there? The Asheville Road Church of Christ. Asheville Road. Okay. Uh, where, if I could ask, where were you before moving to Leeds? Uh, you've been there 20 Well, uh, I served as a youth minister in uh, Gardendale, which is north of Birmingham. Okay. And uh, before that, I was a student at Freed Hardeman University. So I have not had that many works. Um, I worked uh, as a youth minister for three or four years and then moved here. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed it so much. I haven't ever had the desire to, to leave. So not as long as they'll keep me here, I'm going to stay here. That's my what, plan right now. What, what year did you graduate from Freed? 97. We were there together. Were we? Yep. My second, my second go around. I, I, I we were. I, I finished up in what? What year, what year did I start at Evan Elder? Was that ninety eight? Ninety eight. Oh, okay. So we may have, we so may have just missed each other. We may have gone. Yeah. I'm, I, I finished. I, I, I had after I finished at Memphis, I had like a year to go back and do, and I went back and did. I was there for a full full calendar year. We may have just missed each other because I, I graduated in August. Or I grant no, I was a uh, a January graduate, so 
Um, anyway, never mind. Just, just curious. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think I bumped into you in those uh-huh. years, so that explains it. There you go. All right, man. Huge campus. Y'all probably missed each other. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Huge. <laughs> So somebody said you mentioned Bucky's but left out the Barber Motors Motorsports Park. Oh yes, yeah. so you do you do know Lee. Nice. Yeah, we have Barber Motorsports uh, Motorsports uh, Park, which is a, a great racetrack. It's not like a NASCAR track. Uh, no. Sport car racing, motorcycle racing. Um, I, I did a track day there one time. Mall. Yes. None of none of that was here when I moved here, so the city's changed quite a bit over the last well, twenty years. So I, I did a track day at Barber Motorsports, and in the drivers' meeting, they tell you, unlike other racetracks, if you go off and you dig up the sod beside the track, they are going to charge you to replace the mm. sod. That kind of put a damper on how fast you wanted to drive around the track. Yeah, they slow you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> safety first and money safety first second. money there you go yeah drew what are you going to be preaching about tonight well i decided to talk about dealing with chronic illness um i have i have been battling parkinson's disease for more than 10 years now and uh i talk about this from time to time when i get opportunity and uh try to encourage people through my experience and so when you guys invited me to come tonight you know i just thought there's probably a lot of folks who watch you who are dealing with chronic illnesses or have a family member or spouse going through that and uh, thought it might be a lesson that could be relevant and helpful to to a lot of people i have no doubt that it will be Mm -hmm. man and we're looking Mm -hmm. forward to it we didn't know that about you, and um, we'll look forward to maybe hearing more about that through the sermon, but we're glad that you're here. Look forward to the sermon. All right. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Um, and I saw Robbie Eversole Jr. in there just a moment ago, uh, complimenting uh, Drew being a phenomenal preacher. Uh, Robbie, I saw your Facebook, a couple of Facebook posts you made today about your dad. Um if you could give us a, a, an update, maybe an up to up to the minute update that we could add to our prayer list tonight, if you're still out there, Robbie, we would love to do that. And Robbie, you were scheduled to be on to, to Thursday night. And if your dad is having issues or something and you need to bump that back, I can make other arrangements. Just let me know. Um, having said that, I'm going to take up any more of your time, Drew. Uh, the floor is yours. Go ahead and start preaching whenever you are ready, brother. Looking forward to it. I'm grateful to have this opportunity and uh, thank all of you for tuning in tonight to listen to this. I want to talk about dealing with chronic illness. And I'll start with saying this, sometimes God heals the sick. And we know a lot of examples from the scriptures. Uh, In 2 Kings chapter 20, Hezekiah the king fell ill and he lay on his bed and he turned to the wall and he prayed that the Lord would heal him and the Lord gave him 15 years of life. Uh, In the New Testament, there are several examples. Uh, In John chapter five, Jesus walks by a man who lay by the pool of Bethesda. This man had been infirm for 38 years and the Lord told him to take up his pallet and walk. And the man rose up and he walked praising God. Uh, There are other examples. In Luke 13, there was a woman who had been bent over, I believe, for 18 years. And the Lord touched her, and she immediately straightened. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is on his way to the house of Jairus. And there was a woman who suffered from uh, an illness for 12 years. And she touched the hem of his garment and was healed. We know that God heals the sick, that he has the power to do that. In fact, James tells us to pray for those who are sick. In James chapter 5, verse 14, he asks, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders and uh, let them come and pray for them and 
lay their hands on them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. So we should pray for the sick because sometimes God heals the sick, but sometimes he doesn't. Chronic illness is common. Many of you who are watching this, I'm sure, are dealing with chronic illnesses. Illnesses that you've prayed about and have never gotten a cure, incurable illnesses. I'm getting a little personal tonight because, as you heard in the introduction, I've had Parkinson's disease for more than 10 years. And maybe some of you are watching this and you were recently diagnosed with Parkinson's or you have a family member who's had Parkinson's. There's a lot of misunderstanding about this disease. Um, a lot of people look at it as a death sentence, but I can tell you it's not a death sentence. It's a, a movement disorder. And uh, it's not something that you can be cured of, at least not right now, but it's something that can definitely be managed. Like I said, I've had it for 10 years. And uh, while it's annoying and it gets in the way of a lot of the things I love to do, I continue to work, serve the Lord, spend time with my family, do things that I love to do. It's like uh, Michael J. Fox, the most famous guy with Parkinson's that, that I know of. He's had it for 30 years. He says, you don't die from Parkinson's, you, you die with Parkinson's. So it definitely classifies as a chronic illness. And I've learned a lot through this experience, but my wisdom that I gained through my experiences with Parkinson's can't compare with the wisdom that we have in the inspired scripture. And I want to talk to you about a text that's very helpful to those who are dealing with chronic illness. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. We know it as the passage where Paul talks about his chronic illness, which he calls a thorn in the flesh. Now, he says this thorn in the flesh is something that is has come to him from satan and we don't know exactly what this was because he calls it a thorn in the flesh we assume it's a physical ailment uh, most commentators will agree about that what it was we can only guess i've heard all kinds of theories from uh, malaria epilepsy I've heard uh, maybe some physical disabilities he suffered as a result of all the persecution that he had endured. Uh, some people say perhaps it was depression and anxiety over his past, over the pain that he had caused the church when he was known as Saul of Tarsus or the daily pressure that he talks about uh, on him because of the churches or the persecution that his enemies bring upon him. The, the best theory, in my judgment, is that he suffered from poor eyesight. In uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 4, he says some interesting things about his eyes. He says, he points to some physical disability, and he says that they could have treated him with scorn, but they received him as, as an angel. And he says, you would have even gouged out your eyes for me. Now, maybe that's a metaphor, but it's very specific. It makes you wonder, did he have a problem with his eyesight that was debilitating? And at the end of that letter, he says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you. And you would expect somebody who has a problem with their eyesight to, to write in large letters. Maybe that's what it was. We can't know for sure. We can talk about it forever. But we'll never know for sure what the problem was, but we do know how he dealt with it. And that's the important thing. And that's what's going to be so helpful for us tonight. What I want you to understand is if you're dealing with chronic illness or you know someone who is, you may be in some ways better off having the illness than you were before because God can bless you through this illness. Look at Hezekiah's example. After Hezekiah was healed, he became puffed up with pride. But Paul got better through his chronic illness. It's called a thorn. And the word there refers to a sharp stake that is used to impale someone. 
So a very painful physical ailment, and it's called a messenger of Satan to harass him. A lot of ink has been spilled over what messenger of Satan means. There are two ways to look at it. Maybe it was a messenger from Satan in the sense that Satan was giving him some lie or some deceit, some falsehood to try to tempt him from falling away from the Lord. That's one way of looking at it, but it's not necessarily the case that because it comes from Satan, the message was Satan's message. Is it not possible that the illness was from Satan, but the message was God's? It appears that way. That's the way I look at it. And there's a lot of things that Paul was able to learn from this thorn in the flesh. And I want to share with you four things that he received from this thorn in the flesh to help you learn how to deal with chronic illness. Here's the first one. Number one, perspective on suffering. And I want to start under this heading with this idea. Suffering comes from Satan, not from God. Whenever you see sickness and disease and pain and suffering discussed in the Bible, it's never coming directly from God. It may happen under God's permissive will, but it's not coming directly from him as the source. It's always attributed to Satan, like here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 7, it is a messenger of Satan that was sent to harm him, to harass him. The word harass here literally means to strike a blow with a fist which gives you the idea that it was sent to harm Paul, to defeat him, to beat him up. But notice it didn't come from God. Where did it come from? It's from Satan. This is consistent with the rest of Scripture. I mentioned uh, the woman in Luke 13 a minute ago. You know, Luke was a physician. He was a medical professional, very familiar with illnesses. And he gives us a perspective on that woman who was bent over and couldn't straighten herself for 18 years. And Jesus is talking about her disability. And he told the ruler of the synagogue and those with him that Satan had bound her in that condition for all those years. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, uh, Luke again writes about Jesus who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. Now, you see, consistently throughout Scripture, disease and pain and suffering is attributed to Satan, not to God. God gets blamed for a lot of things that aren't his fault. And we often say in faith and with good intentions that, you know, it was God's will that this person got sick, or it's God's will that this person passed away. But God doesn't want people to get sick. He doesn't want people to suffer from diseases. All this has come upon the world because of sin. When God created the world, he looked at it and he saw that it was good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. But who would look at cancer or disease or Parkinson's and say, that's good? Nobody would look at that in that way. We know that it's not good, but when Adam and Eve brought sin into the picture, everything changed and the world fell under a curse. And that's when death and disease became a reality. Romans 5 verse 12 says, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so sin spread to all men because all sinned. So don't let yourself grow bitter in your trials or blame God, or build up resentment toward him because you've gotten sick, or you're dealing with illness, or you've lost a loved one to death. Remember where it comes from. It's not from heaven, it's from hell. Another thing I wanna say is that while suffering can be sent by Satan, it can be used by God. We've already talked about how the message could have been God's while the thorn came from Satan, I also want you to see that in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, it, is, it was sent to Paul to keep him, he says, 
from becoming conceited. I think it's helpful to get a little context here and see what Paul is doing at this point in the letter. It goes all the way back to chapter 10. And in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is talking about his enemies who are accusing him of having letters that are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence, they say, is weak and his speech of no account. Then in chapter 11, verse 5, he refers to these enemies of his, sarcastically, I think, as super apostles. And he says, I'm not in the least inferior to these super apostles. In uh, verse uh, 7 of chapter 11, they are accusing him of sin. And at the end of chapter 11, he gives a long list of his credentials, all the sacrifices that he has made as an apostle on behalf of Christ and his church. He's still talking about that in chapter 12, when in the first few verses, he gives as a credential the example of his being taken up to the third heaven in a vision, which we assume to be the dwelling place of God. Now, someone who's had that experience could be tempted to become prideful, right? I mean, who has ever seen heaven? And Paul saw heaven, and it could have become, it could have caused him to become conceited. But the thorn in the flesh humbled God's servant so that he continued to be the man that God wanted him to be. It made him better. That's a perspective on suffering that we can get. So verse 7 tells us he could become conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, but he was humbled by this. Now, atheists will say suffering in the world is evidence that God doesn't exist. If there's a God, they say, then why all this suffering? Suffering is meaningless. There's no point to it, they say. And it's true that without God, suffering is meaningless and pointless. But God can put meaning into suffering. He can use it for his purposes. That doesn't mean that he causes it. He uses it as an instrument to make us better. It's like Joseph told his brothers, you meant it as evil, but God meant it for good. And I think that's part of the point behind Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are the called according to his purpose. So number one, one of the things we gain from chronic illness is perspective on suffering. Secondly, I want you to think about this. We also gain persistence in prayer. Verse 8, Paul says that he prayed Three times, three times, he says, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He mentions that so that we can know that he'd been persistent in prayer. Jesus talked about persistence in prayer on many occasions. There are two parables that I'd like you to think about. One of them is recorded in Luke chapter 11. It's the parable of the friend at midnight. A man's friend comes to his door at midnight he knocks on the door and disturbs him from his sleep. He says, I have a guest and I have nothing, no food to serve him. Uh, share with me some loaves so I can be a host to my guest. And the man says, I'm in bed with the children. It's too late. I don't want to get up and help you. But the man continues to knock until his friend gets up and helps him because of his persistence. And Jesus says, this is about prayer. Then in Luke chapter 18, there's another parable about the unjust judge. This widow comes to a judge who doesn't respect God, isn't fair at all. She has been wronged. She says, give me justice against my adversary. And at first he doesn't listen to her, but she continues to knock and knock and knock until finally he helps her, not because he's just or good, but because of her continual persistence in knocking. And that's not to say that God is an unjust God. That's not the point of the analogy. The point is that if an unjust judge would help somebody in a situation like that because of her persistence, how much more would God help his children who cry out to him continually? God wants us to be persistent in prayer. Persistent prayer brought Paul 
to a different place. A lot of people think that prayer is about bringing God to a different place. But that's not what happened. If you read 2 Corinthians 12 very carefully, or any passage about prayer, you'll see it's all about us changing instead of God changing. Prayer changes us, not God. It's a misconception to think that when we pray to God, God hears it and then changes his ways so that he can answer our prayer. God doesn't change. Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. What we need to understand about prayer is it's all about drawing us closer and closer to God. It's not about what God does for us. It's about what God does in us. I like what Eugene Peterson said. He said, prayers are not tools for doing or getting, but for being and becoming. And I also like this quote from Oswald Chambers. He says, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. Persistence in prayer drives us to God again and again and again, reinforcing the relationship because that's really what prayer is about. It's about a relationship between the father and his children. And the more we cry out to him, the closer we are drawn to him and the closer and deeper the relationship becomes. John Chrysostom said this, I prayed for many things and was not heard. Even this occurs often to your advantage since God realizes that you lose heart and are indolent. And when you attain what you need, you depart and no longer pray. God protects you with the pretext of need so that you may concern yourself with him more closely and devote yourself to prayer. Prayer purges us and purifies us. Whenever God doesn't answer our prayer, he wants us to pray again and again. And one of two things can happen through persistent prayer. Maybe after praying again and again and again, and we're drawing closer to him and not giving up on him and continuing to depend on him, maybe he answers our prayer in the affirmative. But then maybe he doesn't, and we change. We start praying something different something more in line with his righteousness. This is what happened with Paul as he prayed for the removal of the thorn in the flesh. After three times, he realized that, that Christ wasn't going to remove that for him. And he began to pray that he would lean on God more for strength. We'll say more about that in a moment. But I want you to think about that second thing that is given to us through chronic illness, so many opportunities for prayer, persistence in prayer that draws us closer to God and changes us for the better. Don't continue to pray the same thing. Listen to God's word and ask yourself, what can I be praying that's more in line with his righteousness than what I've been praying? Number three, another thing that is given to us by chronic illness is the experience to help others. Already in this letter of 2 Corinthians, Paul has been teaching his readers to use their suffering to help others. I believe the key verse to this book is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any, any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The word comfort is in that verse so many times, it's almost funny. You can tell this is a key term for Paul, comfort. And notice what he's saying there. He's saying, when you are afflicted and you receive comfort, you gain something in that experience that you are to use in turn to help others who are afflicted in like manner. Don't let your suffering go to waste. It's a great opportunity for you to reach out and help others. Why is he revealing this very personal struggle about himself? Why is Paul talking about his thorn in the flesh? 
in a book that was written largely to prove his credentials. It's because he cares so much for his readers and he wants to comfort them. Later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says in verse 14, I seek not what is yours, but you. And then in verse 15, he says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? You see the love that Paul has for his readers. He loves them dearly. And so he's sharing this experience. It's very painful for him that makes him look weaker and more dependent to help them through their tough times. Because he was able to suffer through this thorn in the flesh, he was more helpful to those who were going through similar experiences. Now, you know this to be true. If you're suffering from cancer, wouldn't you rather be comforted by someone who's been through the same thing? If you're someone who's suffering through a divorce because your spouse has committed adultery and you're all alone, you're trying to raise children by yourself, who would be more helpful to you? Somebody who only knows that problem from, from a distance or someone who's been through it before? What about losing a spouse? Many of you have been through that. Who's more helpful to you? Someone who doesn't know that kind of grief, that level of pain, or a widow or widower who's been through the same thing? We know the answer to that. We'd rather be comforted by people who've been through the same things we've been through. So if you've been through something, it's an opportunity for you to help. Let me give you some practical ways that you can help. Just three things really quickly here. How can I help using my affliction to comfort others? Well, first of all, you can give someone a gentle push. I heard a story one time that an older person told who was remembering back to a time when a man had been driving a Model A Ford and it stalled out in the road and a long line of cars had stacked up behind it. And they were going one at a time around that old Model A Ford, honking their horns. Many of them were very impatient with the, with the man in the Model A until someone came up behind it and knowing something about these Model A's, he just bumped it with the bumper of his car, gave it a little push, and that's all that it needed to go on its way. Well, sometimes people just need a little push, a card that you send in the mail, an email, a text message, a squeeze on the arm, a kind word. Those little things go a long way and can help people who are going through a hard time. So first, you can give a gentle push. Secondly, you can build a bridge. I want to read a poem to you called The Bridge Builder by Will Allen Drumgoul. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fear for him, but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build this bridge at evening tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend in the path I've come, he said. There followed after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been is not to me. To that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. Some people go through life just digging ditches, creating obstacles for other people, making their lives harder. You can build a bridge. You can help people over a rough patch. Another thing that you can do is stir people up. You know, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and so much the more as the day draws near. In his memoirs, Norman Schwarzkopf talked about 
his injuries from the Vietnam War. He had jumped out of one too many planes and he had terrible back pain and he was at the risk of paralysis if he didn't have spinal surgery. So he had the surgery and it required many, many months of recovery in the sick ward. He was thinking about retiring and giving up. He was groaning and moaning, but there was an amputee that was in the bed next to him that started mocking him and picking at him and saying, why are you whining? At least you have all your limbs. And, and he was just lifting him up out of his bitterness and resentment and trying to teach him how to laugh at his problems and putting things in perspective. Now, I don't want you to be harsh on people and, and mock people, but sometimes a little tough love can be very helpful. Sometimes you need to stir them up. So you can give them a gentle push. You can build a bridge. You can stir them up. I'm sure you can think of a lot of other things that you can do, but your experiences can help others use that. We all know how much better it feels to help somebody who's suffering than to wallow in our own self-pity. One last gift I want to share with you that comes from chronic illness, and that is sufficient grace. The Lord did not give Paul the answer he initially wanted. Paul initially prayed that the thorn would be removed. In other words, to be completely healed, and that's not what he received. Instead, the answer that came to him from the Lord was, my grace is sufficient for you. We know what grace is. Unmerited favor, right? An undeserved gift. So Jesus is saying, I'm bringing gifts to you through this thorn that you might not have otherwise. Let's look at them. There are three in particular. Number one, it's the weakness that he has that allowed Jesus's uh, work to be perfected in him. It helped Paul cooperate with Christ, who was trying to complete his work. Look at verse 9. My power is made perfect, he says, in weakness. And the word perfect there means complete. My power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus is telling Paul, I'm not finished with you yet. And I need this thorn in the flesh to complete my work in you. You see, the weakness is the gift. The weakness is the gift. When we're baptized, maybe when we're young, maybe when we're older, the Lord isn't finished with us the moment we come out of the water. There's still a lot of growing to do. A lot of mistakes will be made. And sometimes a person can become conceited after his conversion and never open to growth and the work that God still has to do in him. And that's when the discipline of the Lord becomes very important. When pride is keeping him in the darkness, something like a thorn in the flesh can draw him out so that God can complete his work in him. So that's the first thing given by grace is the perfected work of Christ. Number two, it made Paul stronger. Look at verses nine and 10. Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then he concludes verse 10 saying, when I am weak, then I am strong. Remember what I said, the weakness is the gift. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. First, we saw the weakness provided the perfected work of Christ, and now we're seeing that the weakness is making him strong. How is that the case? It wasn't until Paul received this thorn in the flesh that he finally quit depending on his own limited strength and opened himself up to the infinite resource of God's omnipotent strength. You know, a lot of times we think we can do it all, but we need the strength of God. And we don't open ourselves up to it until we realize how weak we truly are. And then we find that God is there to lean on. And so the weakness gave him that. 
Thirdly and finally, the weakness brought contentment. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. You'll notice he's listing a lot of things there in addition to his physical ailment. He's content in whatever the circumstances bring to him. Whatever the harm, whatever the, the trouble, he's ready for entitlement because he's learned to be content in this. It's discipline because when you are afflicted in a physical way, you learn that life isn't about getting all that you want, that some things are out of your control and you have to leave it up to God. It's a lesson to be learned. As Paul said in Philippians 4, 11, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And so the weakness is a gift in that it allowed Christ's work to be perfected in him. It was a gift in that it um, allowed Jesus to give him the strength that he didn't have on his own. It was a gift in that he was able to find contentment wherever he was. He learned that he could choose to be content in whatever circumstances he was in. And so as I wrap this up, let me encourage you. Chronic illness doesn't have to be a barrier to your service. It's not the end of life. It could be a new beginning for you, a new chapter. You don't have to quit serving the Lord. You may not have to quit coming to church. You don't have to quit encouraging others. You don't have to wallow in self-pity. There's still a lot of work that God has for you to do. I remember a conversation that I had with one of my doctors when I was being diagnosed and I asked him a question. I said, when am I going to have to quit working? Will I be able to continue to preach? And he asked me this question that brought a lot of perspective. It may not mean much to you, but it meant a lot to me. He said, why is a hand trimmer going to keep you from preaching? Now, whatever you're going through, ask yourself, why will it keep me from growing in the grace of the Lord? Why does it keep me from, from helping others, encouraging others? Sure, you have limitations. Things change. Can you adapt to it? Can you find that new chapter that, that God has for you? If you'll look for God's blessings in whatever your thorn in the flesh is, you'll find persistence in prayer, experience in suffering. You'll find perspective on suffering. You'll find ways to help others. You'll find the sufficient grace of God. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together and this lesson from your word and the example of chronic illness that we found in your servant, Paul. We pray for strength, Father, that you will help all of us in whatever our struggles are, whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual. Lift us up with your word. Help us to see your truth and the strength that we can derive through you. Help us to see that the weaknesses we have in this world are a gift that you can use to make us better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Drew, um, wow, man. Um, we are blessed to have you here tonight. Um, Thank you. It's been a blessing to me. I really appreciate you guys inviting me back. I enjoy doing this. Well, I can guarantee you as much as I can guarantee anything. It won't take two years again. It will not. It will not. Uh, I sure appreciate your uh, sharing that with us and uh, the perspective and the approach to the text. Uh, it's just such a um, encouraging, uh, proper perspective uh, sermon for us all. Uh, there are many of us who are not suffering chronically and who can still complain and find a bunch of things wrong in life. And uh, you, you've really helped us tonight, man. Uh, even for those who might be, what well, just just powerful stuff, man. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your, your learning, your experience, and the way you've channeled it. Uh, it's just outstanding, man. Thank you for being I here. I appreciate tonight. that. Thank yeah. you. Yes, sir. It, it takes a lot to, to share yourself with people like that, Drew. And I know that's that's 
Well, I can just tell from the comments that have been scrolling past all night. It was a great encouragement to a lot of people. Um, and it, you know, takes a, takes a lot of, uh, courage and a lot of, uh, confidence in oneself to, uh, to let that out and, and, and to talk about some of those struggles. And <clears throat> we would probably be better off as preachers as a whole, if we would do a lot more of that. Um, sometimes we act like we don't have some of those problems and uh, I appreciate the way you handled that tonight, brother. Uh, yes. Thank you. Absolutely. I do, I do have a nuts and bolts question for you. If you'll indulge me for a second. All right. What, what kind of device do you have in your hand? Oh, it's uh, the Kindle paper, paper white. Okay. And you just it's a, transfer it's a Kindle reader. Yep. And, and so you, uh, so you preach from your Kindle. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody preach from a Kindle before. Yeah. I just learned that you could put uh, word documents on it. Okay. Uh, just as easily as you can put a, a book on it. And uh, I like it because there's no glare. A little easier so on the eyes than preaching off an iPad. If you're using an iPad or something, it'll it'll glare back. And it's, you know, I only have it's one light. good hand, really. If I try to hold something this other hand, uh, this is the, the hand that has a trimmer in it. So it's been very helpful to me uh, when I'm doing things like this and I don't have a pulpit to stand behind. I usually go to this and, uh, you know, I can put my notes and the scriptures and everything on it. Okay. I was just good little school. Yeah, it's I, very I, good. I, I thought it looked like a Kindle, and I just hadn't seen anybody preach off a of Kindle, but especially with the glare thing, I could see why that would yeah. that would be in it because I usually like that. Oh, okay. you're, you're well, the, uh, my, my secret, secret <laughs> If I could ask a question, uh, I, I, the things that you said about prayer tonight, how have those generally been received as you've taught and preach those things? Uh, I think it challenges some people because they want prayer to be, well, they want, they want it to be like, uh, you know, you ask God for something and he gives you exactly what you asked for. And I think a lot of people believe prayers like that. I have a, a support group that I pray with sometimes of folks with Parkinson's and uh, you know, I hear them sometimes pray to be healed uh, miraculously. And on one occasion, I encouraged them to change their prayers to a prayer for strength. Because, you know, as of now, it's a chronic illness. And I don't, I don't know that, you know, that prayer for miraculous healing is really what God's wanting us to get out of the experience. And, and all of us need to understand that life is a chronic illness. So at some point down the road, you know, we're going to leave this world through, through death. And uh, so at some point, prayer is not going to be answered the way that we want it to be answered. Right. Uh, but I find that initially people are taken aback by that idea that uh, you don't pray to change God. You, you pray to change yourself. But, you know, we have those passages that deal with the immutability of God. Either God changes or he doesn't change. Mm. And he's been very clear about how he doesn't change. Uh, maybe I need to do another lesson sometime on that, because I know there are some passages where he relents from the disaster that he had talked about doing. And I'm aware of those and I have mm -hmm. uh, some thoughts on that. But uh you know, it's it's complicated, like all things, but uh, I, that's a challenge for people sometimes. I I, uh, I just appreciate that. I appreciate what you just said. Um, I I was reared in the Lord's church, and I, I don't know. I, it seems somehow the message got out to all of us that that's the way prayer worked, um, <laughs> and many have, like yourself, studied it and found out it does not work like that exactly. And uh, I've had some well, of you know, Eric, you don't even have to study. Try mm -hmm. it. And before <laughs> long, you're going to find one or two unanswered prayers, and you got to deal with that. You know, right. why, why didn't God answer the prayer? It's funny to me that people will continue to hold on to things that don't add up to their experiences in life. But looking at prayer... And in this more complex way matches life experience, at least for me. 
and I think for everybody, really. No, I think you're right, 100. percent I, I just, um, I, I really try to encourage people to study the subject of prayer. It's a Bible doctrine, and yeah. therefore it should be studied the way you would study miracles, salvation, the deity of the Lord, whatever subject you're studying. It's a revealed Bible doctrine, so study it that way and not operate purely out of your feelings or desires with regards to it. And I, I just mm -hmm. don't know that enough people do that. Uh, we'd be glad to have you back on any subject you want to talk about, man. We, we love right. and appreciate it. Yes, I'd love to come back anytime. Yes, sir. Sometime in 2024, I'll reach out to you, man. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Thank you for coming Thank on, you. brother. And and we look forward to having you back sometime before 2024. How about that? <laughs> you guys take care. You okay. too. Thanks, sir. Have a good night, brother. Man. What a fantastic brother, man. That's just wow. Yep. Woo. That's like, uh, good stuff. Three of us could probably have some good conversations on prayer, would be my guess. We could find somebody else to jump in the pool with us. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Scott, I agree. Scott just said, wow. Well, that was good. That was, I, see, yes. I, see just, I see how I just run, run past right what I said, but that's okay. You, you and I can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, let's let, let's get off this subject so so Eric can relax for a second. Uh, but All buddy, right. uh, I have to tell you, this is the hardest night in the 450 nights we've done. This is the hardest night for me to pick out the prayer request. Oh, because people were saying, "Hey, I was diagnosed with this, or I was diagnosed with that," and I'm like, "Is that a prayer request, or is that just a comment on on truth lesson?" So. Yes, I think a lot of that was conversation. I, I think a lot of it was conversation. I have, I think, five that I picked out that I think are actual prayer requests. So uh, we're going to go with those five and stop there. Okay, that's what I got. So I'm not sure if it's right or not, but that's what I got. Um, uh, Didn't get, Robbie must not have uh, heard me or didn't respond back. Uh, I did see Robbie posted something about his dad today. Um, his heart rhythm is not right. Uh, and they were going to do a, the, you know, shock it, try to get back into rhythm. But um, I think there was a concern about he might have a blood clot. Um, and so they're going to test for that, I think, in the morning. And then if there is no blood, blood clot, uh, do the shock thing to get the heart rhythm back right. Um, but uh, if there is a blood clot, I think that gets a little more complicated from that point forward. So um, keep Robbie in your prayers. Uh, I don't think this is a, a major setback from what from from the way that Robbie was writing it, but obviously it's a complication they got to work through. So keep Robbie in your prayers, both of them. Um, and I don't know what that means. I'll have to try to get with Robbie Jr. here, maybe tomorrow, and find out if he's going to be able to do the show Thursday night or not. Otherwise, I got to find us a new speaker. Um, so anyway, um, let's go with what we have past that. We have Larry is asking prayers for his wife Shirley. Um, she has contracted uh, COVID, and so he is asking prayers for her as well. Uh, no comment on the severity of the symptoms, but we'll pray for her. For, for her. Uh, Loretta is asking us to pray for Dale. Uh, she will be traveling to Barbados on July 1st for cataract surgery. Um, it's one of my favorite places. But our 25th, 25th anniversary, we went, we went to Barbados, and um, some of the nicest people I've ever met across a whole population. It was just Barbados was just filled with some really lovely people. Um, Larnell is asking, uh, for help with, uh, uh, having some financial complications and is asking for some help with that. Um, and Larnell, I don't know if you're still out there or not. I saw you, I see you put a, uh, a link to your cash app. Um, I don't know if you've been here with us before or not, Larnell. Uh, we typically do not encourage our viewers to hand out, uh, donations over, uh, internet that can be lead to all kind of, uh, trouble. Uh, of course they are grown people and they can do as they please. Uh, but Larnell, if you were actually in a, um, um, oh, yeah. Eric is saying no to that, and I would agree with it, but they are grown people, do and they can, they, they can do, do what they want to. <laughs> you can, but don't. But you can, but don't. That, that's our, that's our, but Larnell, uh, if you would like to contact us at Digital Bible Study and tell us where you live or something of that nature, we know people pretty well all over, and we are more than welcome, welcome or more than, will, more than willing 
to get you in contact. We probably know somebody in your area that could sit down with you and talk to you if you need, if need be. So uh, we're willing to help you, but we don't typically do that help financially over the internet. That's just a, a recipe for some bad stuff to happen. So, uh, but we'll pray for you, Larnell. And if you need help, just feel free to reach out to us and we will do our best to get you in touch with somebody that can help you on a one-on-one basis. Uh, and Joan, uh, is saying that she has uh, sinned and has repented of it and is just asking us to pray for her, that she will go stronger. And Glenn Weedrone, we're more than willing to do that for you tonight as well. Uh, and Joyce is asking us to uh, continue to pray for Pamela, uh, the preacher's wife at Kingsbury Road. Uh, she is still um, uh, still hospitalized. And I believe we prayed for her the other night. I didn't realize at the time that was at Kingsbury Road again. They have had their fair share of uh, um, stuff going on there, so... Um, just check the feed one last instant just to see if anything else popped in. It usually does when I go over that stuff. Um, oh, I think that's all I have. So if you all would uh, join me, we will uh, have a word of prayer together. <laughs> Father, we are so uh, thankful tonight uh, for the reminder that Drew has put before us. Um, encouraged greatly by his um, uh, sensitivity on these matters. Um, encouraged by the way that he conducts himself as he deals with chronic pain and or illness. Um, we are thankful for the way that he handled your word tonight and for the uh, uh, personal perspective that he gives to, to, to each of us. And we uh, hopefully that we can all be strengthened from it. Uh, we noticed several in our audience have had similar experiences in terms of ongoing physical ailments. And we trust that his words tonight as they have come from you, uh, have provided strength and comfort to them, and we give you thanks for all of these things. Uh, tonight, we're mindful still of our good brother, Robbie. We pray for his uh, improvement. We hope that whatever complications he's going through right now can be uh, rectified quickly. Uh, we miss him, and we wish to have him back with us as soon as we possibly can. Uh, we're also mindful tonight of uh, Dale, as she's uh, having cataract surgery. We pray that that can go well for her. Uh, mindful of Joan tonight. Whatever uh, 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 personal issues and sin that she is dealing with, we're thankful that she recognizes them and is striving to do better through repentance and correction of her actions. So we uh, uh, pray with pray for her as well. Uh, we pray that she can be strengthened in her faith. Uh, we're mindful of Larnell's need tonight, and we hope that uh, uh, he can find help as he needs. Um, and if there's any way that uh, his way can be directed to us that we can help. We stand ready to do that, and we ask your blessings upon us and him as we uh, seek to do those things together. Um, tonight, we're also uh, mindful of uh, Pamela and uh, pray for her uh, recovery and uh, for the family over at Kingsbury Road, that everyone can be strengthened uh, there together. Um, and then we're also mindful tonight of Larry's wife, uh, Shirley. Uh, I know Larry's been struggling with some of his own physical issues, and now his wife has COVID, and we pray for her, for her recovery, and for uh, that family as a whole, uh, that they uh, have the endurance to continue uh, to be strong in faith, uh, regardless of the circumstances surrounding them. Uh, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We ask your blessings to continue here about the work here at Digital Bible Study, and it is in your son's name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Sure. All right. Okay. Sorry if I missed anything over there, anybody. I just, uh, there were <laughs> quite a few very similar type requests coming or statements coming in tonight. So hopefully I got most of them. Um, and in all of that, I forgot to load up the uh, Facebook thing. I didn't see anything on the YouTube side. So I think we're clean over there. Um, and give me just about another five or 10 seconds here. And we will have the Facebook thing up and loaded. He said confidently. What he said. He said that confidently. There he goes. All right. Uh, what do we have here tonight? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Bringing out the Atlanta lingo there, man. That's right. That's you right. got You got to be an Atlantean to know what that is. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? That's right. I ever, I ever, this preach, preaching gig ever breaks down. I got me a job in Atlanta. They're probably hiring. Probably, probably are. Probably not for that job. I bet that job's taken. I bet that's a long-term <laughs> employee right there, be my guess. Anyway, uh, Patsy with 100 stars. Thank you, Patsy. Uh, we got Sobrono with 100 stars. Thank you, Sobrono. 
We got Douglas with 200 stars. Thank you, Douglas. We got Claudette with 300 stars. Thank you, Claudette. And we have Valletta with 400 stars. Thank you, Valletta. There you go. Outstanding. Um, that just about wraps us up. We will be back here, Lord willing, tomorrow. Um, start the day at 8 o'clock with uh, From the Deep End. Um, and by the way, uh, I think I have, think I'm officially starting. This is kind of weird. I, I'm not meeting with the elders until Saturday, and I think I'm actually supposed technically to start Sunday, so there's not a lot of gap there. So I think I might actually be starting a new job next week. <laughs> so I'm not sure yet. I'll know with one day's notice. Um, but that may impact from the deep end on some level. It's going to keep going, um, but I can't. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I may have to move it up an hour or something. I'm not sure what, because uh, I, I, I'll just let you know. Um, obviously, I'll I'll know when you know, but that may be fairly short notice because I won't know until at least Saturday what I'm going to start doing. So there are some changes coming, but not this week. We'll be on at 8. Truth Tuesday is... Um... <laughs> oh, Scott. Scott, you got to see this video, Eric. You got you got two and a half minutes before we dismiss. You got two and a half minutes. Yes, I do. Okay, I have been laughing. I I have watched this thing probably twenty times a day. I just keep laughing and laughing and laughing every time I see it. Apparently, it is a Catholic church. Hold on, where is it? it's a Catholic church? And apparently, they have what they call the litany of grievances that they occasionally pray for. A litany of grievances. Uh huh. And I came across this video of it. Lord have mercy. Hold on. And dude, I, I can't I can't stop laughing. I cannot stop laughing every time I watch this thing. Hopefully the audio, let me know if y'all hear the audio coming through here. You got that? Here you go. From the sense of blind entitlement some people seem to have, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. From a blind judgmental attitude over other people's appearance or dress, Christ have mercy. Christ, Christ have, have mercy. For the times our sharp political divide blinded our call to care for each other, Christ have mercy. Christ, Christ have, have mercy. mercy. When people use loopholes to take advantage of disability benefits, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. From a blind attitude over the theft of work Xerox paper for personal use, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. When we attempted to jump the line or skirt the rules to get a vaccine, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. From a lack of courtesy, especially for the elderly, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. From a lack of humility or lack of patience, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. From a temptation to cheat at golf tournaments by not reporting strokes or by a foot wedge, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. <laughs> From a blind attitude during COVID of not wearing masks or hoarding toilet paper, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. For the times we lacked respect for God in church with distracted talking, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. When we are tempted to gossip or be engaged in incessant griping, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. When we are blind to racism in all its colors, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. For the times we blame the church as an excuse for not participating, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. From the attitude that it is okay to double bill or not show up for doctor appointments, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. When we become annoyed that someone is sitting in my pew or think the homily is too long, Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. For oh, it's made me so happy all day long. <laughs> Wow. My, my, Don't take my. the Xerox paper. Don't use the foot wedge. <sighs> oh, man. That's like the 20th time I watched it. And I cry every time. Because <laughs> <laughs> in my brain, in my brain, here's what I'm thinking. 
that this is a litany of grievances at a church, right? And so there's got to be a box or something they're putting it in, right? They put those in. They're putting those in <laughs> about each other. Some brother, some brother to the, at the church cheating at a golf tournament. <laughs> and then in the middle of it, somebody puts up one about when we we gripe excessively. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so the one who cheated was called out and then he called out the one who griped excessively about the <laughs> yes yes oh, i think y'all, y'all should do that at avondale i think y'all should put out no, a list of no, a box, a no, box of no. <laughs> and, I, and i gotta tip the hat to whoever was reading that that homily i was i gotta tip the hat there uh to, to the person doing that prayer because they did it with a straight face the entire time. Uh, that's that's outstanding stuff. <laughs> well, if this is a practice, I feel like we haven't heard the worst of it. <laughs> yes. Now, now I need to go find which Catholic church this is and find their website because they if they do this every week. That that would be that would be reason to go every week. That would be gold. <laughs> it's, it's it's like all the gossip from the church from the pulpit every week. Uh, Scott wants to talk to the last guy who took the piece of pie out of the pie. There you go. That, that's got to be one of them. You got to have one of those. Anyway, guys, that's that's what I've been doing today is every time I, I have a spare two minutes, I watch that again, and I just, I just, I can't stop laughing at it. <laughs> you know you're about to start a new work. They'll ask you about new ideas. I think we should do this. I think that would be a winner. I think that, you know, I won't, I w- wouldn't last long. The, the, the preacher wouldn't last long. Well, the preacher who brings this into the new congregation as a practice. <laughs> yeah. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Anyway. Um, all right. Uh, that That's our hilarity for the night. So let's move along. Uh, like I said, 8 o'clock in the morning, through Tuesday at 10, Christianity Now at 11. Uh, expect Tony Brewer to be playing this clip. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Tony, uh, uh, Christianity Now at 11, Paul Mays uh, and the Fruit of Our Lips at 1. And then back here tomorrow night uh, for the continuation of the Connect meeting. And I believe uh, it is going to be Melvin Ote will be back with us. Um, and just a quick FYI, Eric and I are trying to put together, I mentioned it on the uh, 8 o'clock show this morning. Uh, we're trying to put together a, a panel discussion that might include Melvin, if he is available, uh, to talk about the Roe v. Wade uh, overturning um, and uh, have a couple other guys on there. Uh, dealing with some therapy issues, some counseling type issues related to it. Melvin for some of the legal stuff, uh, trying to get maybe Charles Abernathy to talk about adoption and those options for Christians. Uh, so we're gonna have a gonna have a night of that. I think that'll be a real good night. Uh, target date is the fifteenth. Uh, if everybody's available, we haven't gotten in contact with all the guys yet, so we don't know exactly who will be here and whether or not we'll be able to do it on the fifteenth. But that is our target date. So um, keep your uh, eyes open, ears open for that. And we shall um, try to get that organized in time. But we will have Melvin on tomorrow night as well. Anyway, that's all I got. You have anything, sir? I do not. All righty. We will say good night to you. And uh, with that, as always, it is our prayer that you'll go out and make your day a great one for God. Have a good night, everybody.